This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Wednesday, November 17th. Coming up, a month and a half after Missouri started signing people up for its expanded Medicaid program, enrollment is just a fraction of estimates. Healthcare advocates say the state is doing nothing to reach out to people who would benefit from it. There are people who are known to the state. The state has information about their income, but the state is not making a proactive effort to to reach out to them and enroll them. And they're leaving that to the to the outside partners to, to get the word out. And in September, a racist incident at a local high school made headlines. A new federal lawsuit is putting forward a different side of that story. But first, some headlines. A newly released affidavit says a state representative from Kansas City, Kansas, was arrested last month after allegedly spitting on and hitting his adult brother. Abigail Sensky of the Kansas News Service reports on the domestic battery charge. The affidavit from Overland Park Police says Democratic Representative Aaron Coleman was arrested after an argument over whether his brother would get baptized. Democrats have already called on Coleman to resign. Coleman is the third Kansas lawmaker to face legal charges this year. Former Senate Majority Leader Gene Solentrop will serve two days in jail for driving drunk the wrong way on I-70, and Representative Mark Samsel pled guilty to misdemeanor disorderly conduct following an outburst while substitute teaching. A southwest Missouri man who threatened to kill Congressman Emanuel Cleaver has been sentenced to two and a half years in prison. KCUR's Peggy Lowe reports. Kenneth Hubert, a 63-year-old from Marionville, Missouri, called Cleaver's office the day after the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. He threatened to, quote, assault and murder the Kansas City Democrat. Hubert allegedly made the same threat against a Democratic Tennessee congressman in May 2019. Under the sentence handed down in federal court in Springfield Tuesday, Hubert will serve 30 months, followed by three years of probation. Two months ago, Park Hill South High School in Kansas City made headlines when students allegedly passed around a petition asking for the return of slavery. One student was expelled because of the incident, and three others were punished. News stories, including one we published, interviewed parents who said they were concerned about racism at the school. Now, a different side of the story has emerged. KCUR's Dan Margulies reported earlier this week that the students who were punished for the incident have sued the school district with the help of a prominent civil rights lawyer. He's here once again to tell us about it. Hi, Dan. Hi, Noeen. So how does this lawsuit upend the narrative that we first heard about this story? Right. So as you uh, alluded to, this incident ignited a media firestorm with news outlets, including us, assuming that the petition had been circulated by white students. Well, according to the lawsuit, it started as a prank as bantering between two ninth graders, one of them a biracial student and the other a black student, uh, while they were on their bu- on, on a bus on their way to a football game. Both of them were members of the football team and were headed for an away game. Uh, one of them, browsing on his smartphone, came across a petition on the website change.org promoting construction of a new football stadium at Park Hill South High School, where they were freshmen. The two students had just been bantering about jobs and slaves And according to the lawsuit, the biracial student, as a joke, typed a quote unquote petition on change.org stating, quote, start slavery again. The other students on the bus all found it funny, according to the lawsuit, and laughed about it. And the biracial student 
then shared this so-called petition with his teammates in group chat. It so happens the same day the school district was dealing with a posting on the TikTok uh, social media platform encouraging students to vandalize school restrooms in the school district and post videos of their acts of vandalism. And a parent, no mean, who had been alerted to that problem the next day had also become aware of the slavery petition and complained about it. The school then interviewed the two students as well as three other students who had uh, posted quote unquote comments about the petition, eventually resulting, as you said, in the expulsion of the biracial student and the suspension for 180 days of the commenting students, one of whom was also biracial. So now the expelled and uh, suspended students are suing, claiming their civil rights were violated and that the school acted rashly and that the expulsion and suspensions were more about appearing to publicly impose harsh punishment uh, on the students uh, than about maintaining a functional educational environment. So what does this lawsuit say about a possible culture of racism at this school? Well, you know, this is an unusual, interesting lawsuit because it points out that Platte County, where the school is located, has had a long and fraught history of pro-slavery sentiment going back nearly 200 years. Uh, the, the lawsuit itself points out that in 1849, 0.6% of, of the 9,000 residents of Platte County uh, were enslaved, and the county was the source of a bunch of people who participated in the Bleeding Kansas border wars in the 1850s that sought to extend slavery to the state of Kansas. Until recent decades, the schools in the Park Hill School District were nearly all lily white, directly tracing to that history. But now that black and Hispanic students make up a sizable minority of the school's enrollment, the lawsuit says the district hasn't really come to grips with these changing demographics and has failed to effectively address what the lawsuit describes as a, quote, racially derived student culture that grew in its schools as racially diverse students enrolled in significant numbers. And if I may no mean, let me quote from paragraph 44 of the lawsuit because it attempts to summarize that culture. Quote, the racially derived student culture that thrived at Park Hill South and was especially present among the members of the ninth grade football team, prized multiracial social acceptance as evidenced by frequent use of racial slurs in non-hostile situations, openly playing not clean, quote unquote, hip hop music in the presence of coaches and other adults, favoring clothing and other external manifestations of minority cultures, and bantering and joking about racial topics, all without guidance from the uh, school district or from any of the other defendants. So who is the lawyer that's representing the students in this case? Right. So this is uh, what lends this lawsuit, I think, more credibility than it might otherwise have. The plaintiffs, the four students, are, are represented by the law firm of Arthur Benson, who is one of the most prominent civil rights lawyers in Kansas City. Uh, he's probably best known, no mean, for the school desegregation lawsuit he filed way back in 1977, challenging the racial segregation of Kansas City public schools and the surrounding suburban school districts. Now, a federal judge in that case eventually ruled 
that the Kansas City School District and the state of Missouri had violated the civil rights of black children and ordered them to take steps to desegregate in what became one of the largest school desegregation cases in the United States. So in other words, what I'm trying to tell you is that Arthur Benson is not some far right crackpot, but someone who has spent decades fighting for desegregation in Kansas City schools. And that is not, of course, to suggest that what these students did was justifiable, but merely to say that they were a bunch of immature kids who were behaving immaturely. So what has the school district said in response to this lawsuit? Well, I'll read you their response in full since it's only three sentences long. Quote, as this lawsuit describes, we took prompt, decisive action to enforce our policies prohibiting discrimination, harassment, and uncivil behavior. The suit shares that we expelled one student and suspended three others for 180 days. We will be able to share further details when we respond to this lawsuit in court. What happens next? Just that. Uh, the school district and all the other defendants will be responding, that is, filing formal answers in court. And uh, that should be within the next 30 or so days. Dan Margulies reports on legal issues for KCUR. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Nomi. Coming up, we'll hear how Medicaid expansion in Missouri is going. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This is Kansas City Today. At UMB Private Wealth Management, a part of UMB Bank, your story is our focus. UMB works closely with you to tailor a plan that meets your goals through every stage of life and changing economic climates. UMB's customized financial planning services and resources help you accumulate, preserve, and protect wealth, giving you peace of mind about your future. UMB, everything we do starts with you, from our high-touch service to our robust suite of wealth management products. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomeen Ujia-Dean. Missouri has finally expanded eligibility for Medicaid, allowing hundreds of thousands more residents to sign up for the public health care program. But weeks later, enrollment is barely at a trickle, and advocates say the state is doing little to help. KCUR's Alex Smith reports. In the lobby of the Samuel U. Rogers Health Center Safety Net Clinic in northeast Kansas City, Missouri, Jim Torres offers what should be an easy sell. For patients passing through to doctor's appointments, Torres wants to sign them up for expanded Medicaid, no strings attached. But he got off to a rough start. The first day it looked like nobody knew they were eligible, nobody knew to ask for it. And to be quite honest, we were unsure as to how to go about helping them apply. After years of opposition by Republican lawmakers, Missouri's Medicaid expansion finally passed through a ballot measure. But it still took a lawsuit and a court order before the state agreed to enact it. Since the start of October, Medicaid has been available to anyone in the state who makes up to 138 percent of the federal poverty level. For an individual, that's about $18,000 per year. As of mid-November, however, only about 16,000 people had actually been enrolled. That's not a big surprise to Washington University healthcare economist Timothy McBride. He's one of the leading experts on Missouri Medicaid. You know, when I go around and a lot of people know that I know about expansion, people say, has that started yet? 
By providing coverage for around a quarter of a million people, Medicaid expansion would reduce Missouri's uninsured rate by about half. And studies estimate it would save the state roughly a billion dollars by bringing in more federal money and reducing the need for other state health care spending. But when it comes to actually getting people enrolled, some health care advocates say that Missouri is dragging its feet, even by the standards of other Republican-led states. McBride says that processing these applications adds a lot of work for the Department of Social Services, which is already understaffed. McBride expects enrollment will pick up eventually. You know, we're always a little different than every other state. We may just kind of be a little bit slower on this. The state's lack of outreach stands in contrast to states like Louisiana, where state workers actively looked for people to enroll among food stamp recipients. In Missouri, this search has fallen largely to health care nonprofits. But health policy expert Sheldon Weisgrau of the Missouri Foundation for Health says the state is in a better position to do that work. There are people who are known to the state The state has information about their income, but the state is not making a proactive effort to reach out to them and enroll them. Eventually, more people will get enrolled in Medicaid regardless of outreach. A spokesperson for the Missouri Hospital Association said that hospitals will be able to enroll uninsured people who show up for emergency care. And enrollments will also probably increase after the federal COVID-19 public health emergency ends. When that happens in January, Missouri will be allowed to remove people from its Medicaid roles who are no longer eligible, and it's likely that many of them will sign up under expansion. But Weisskrau says this process would happen much faster if the state took an active role. That's what happened in Oklahoma, which also expanded its Medicaid program this summer. Oklahoma then worked to find people currently enrolled in state health care programs that could switch to the expanded roles. Thanks to those efforts, more than 200,000 people have been enrolled in their Medicaid program, and the state is now drawing down more federal money as a result. It really is in the state's best financial interests to get those people moved to a new group as fast as possible. Last week, Missouri officials said they would be searching for current Medicaid enrollees who can be switched into the new expanded category, but McBride says this effort appears to have only just gotten started. The Department of Social Services didn't respond to questions from KCUR about its outreach efforts. For now, spreading the word about Medicaid expansion has fallen to nonprofit workers like Jim Torres. They may very well be eligible for full Medicaid. This is, we're talking doctor visits covered, prescriptions, hospitalization, behavioral health, and dental. So this is really good coverage at virtually no cost. Based on what he's seen so far, Torrey says he expects little help from the state in making his pitch. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Alex Smith. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Alex's story on Medicaid expansion in Missouri, visit kcur.org. If you're a fan of our show, leave us a review on your favorite podcast app or give us a call at 816-235-8930, where you can leave us a voicemail with your feedback. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.